Hey friend, welcome back to the podcast. I am super excited that you are here and excited about sharing today's episode with you. This is actually another fan favorite episode. It's one of the ones that is the most downloaded over the course of the last year or so that I've had the podcast live. And it's just repeatedly one of the ones that I think a lot of you get a lot of benefit from. So I'm resharing it today. We are talking about all things health insurance and capital gains. These are listener questions that were sent in. So I know this is going to be relevant stuff and likely questions that you have as well. So I'm, I'm excited to be able to reshare it with you. Also, just as a heads up, over the course of the next month or so, we are rebranding the podcast. I am going to be bringing a lot of really cool new stuff to you. So I'm taking this time out to um, really rebuild it and bring you fresh new ideas, fresh new topics, all the things, and I cannot wait to share more about it soon. Lastly, I want to make sure that you are aware since the time that I originally recorded this podcast episode, I have released the Tax Savings Institute. It is where you really want to jump in to learn all things tax savings. This is stuff that you can absolutely implement yourself. I have gone through, I've created videos, I've created how-tos, all sorts of different things to support you, even spreadsheets to be able to document stuff and to be able to do it really easily, really effectively, and to be able to save thousands of dollars in taxes between now and the end of the year before really the doors close um, and you're kind of stuck with whatever tax situation you have once we hit the end of 2023. Then any kind of savings that you have is going to be for the next year, which is all fine and well, but I want you to get the tax savings now versus later. So if you have not done so, definitely go to the link in the show notes where I have the Tax Savings Institute at landing page where you can jump in, join in, and get all the things that you need to do to be able to effectively reduce your taxes without paying a whole lot of money for someone else to do it. So this is definitely someone for someone that wants to do more of a DIY approach. So if that's you, go to the show notes, check out the link, and without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. Today, we are digging into some listener questions. We're going to be talking about some really good stuff, things that I get asked all the time from uh, listeners, from clients. These are definitely questions that you're going to want to know if you are a small business owner. And I'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast, you are. So you're going to want to buckle up and dig in with me. We're talking all things K1s, health insurance, and how to reflect that on your W-2 as well as capital gains. So listen up and we're going to dive in now. Hey friend, welcome to the Small Business Finance Podcast. Do you want confidence and clarity with your business finances? Do you find yourself up late at night searching for tax deductions, how to track your business finances, or QuickBooks tips? Do you wake up with big ambitious goals? Do you end up feeling confused and frustrated because accounting and tax is really boring? Hi, I'm Tiffany. I've heard this so many times from my clients who used to feel this way. They felt overwhelmed about what to do with their numbers and wish they could stop the financial madness. They wanted clarity and the ability to grasp the financial basics to know through cool when they had a question and to stop worrying about owing money to the IRS. But they thought they weren't good with numbers and the overwhelm kept them stuck without any solid financial plan until they realized that business systems are the ticket to gaining financial confidence. In this podcast, you will learn step-by-step systems, easy to understand financial tips, and mindset transformation so that you will gain financial confidence as an entrepreneur. So dust off your spreadsheet, warm up your coffee, and let's get going.
So I had some listener questions sent in this week. And for the record, I absolutely love getting listener questions. If you have them, send them to the email address in the podcast show notes, because I really love being able to answer questions that you just aren't sure about. Things that maybe your CPA hasn't been able to answer fully or you're just generally confused about. There's just a lot when it comes to operating a business and the financial piece can be extremely confusing when you start talking about S-corps and S-elections and partnership returns and the various stuff that comes from them and exactly how are you taxed as a small business owner and where does that money from the business come through? It's It can be a lot. And so I really love being able to help clarify the questions that you have and I am very appreciative of the questions that Vivian sent in this week. So let's dig in, shall we? So Vivian has, um, the first question we'll dig into says, can you just clearly explain what a K-1 is to a lay person? When do they come in and who does them? Is it our CPA? I am completely lost as to what a pass-through entity is and what it means. Okay, so first of all, a pass-through entity means that 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 entity is not being taxed separately. In other words, on a pass-through entity, and there are two types of pass-through entities, from a business perspective, that is an S-corp and that is a partnership, those pass-through entities are not taxed separately. You're taxed as the individual on the individual level, either as a shareholder, if you have an S-corp, or a partner, if you are in a partnership and getting taxed as a partnership. C-corps are not passed through, so they don't get K-1s. So that is kind of the significance of being a pass-through is that you are getting a K-1 And that K-1 has a lot of different information on it. It can be as simple as what is your share of the profit for the business this year? And maybe that's all that flows through to your personal tax return. But it also can be really complex, particularly on real estate businesses. There can be a lot of different things regarding uh, Section 179 and depreciation and various interests maybe that you received on the project. Uh, It it can also reflect short-term capital gains, long-term capital gains, really a lot of different stuff can go onto these K-1s. So they're super important because it, it literally is the snapshot from the business showing your percentage of any kind of income or loss that that business happened to have that you need to make sure goes on your personal tax return. So in order to be able to prepare your personal tax return, you've got to have that K-1. You cannot do your personal tax return without having that K-1 in hand. So sometimes what ends up happening is maybe you have all of your stuff ready for your 1040. You know, you're ready to go. It just needs to be prepared. But if you don't have the K-1, you cannot move forward. I had somebody ask me this week on a separate issue. Another new client said, is, okay, I have everything ready, but I know I'm not going to get this K-1 that I need until later on in the year. Is there any way that we can just go ahead and file my 1040 and then amend it later? The short answer is yes, you could do that, but it is not recommended to file without the K-1. And the reason is, is that whenever you amend a tax return, someone physically looks at the IRS, someone physically looks at your 1040 to push it through. When you originally file your 1040, if you just e-file that and it gets pushed through, There is typically not a physical person actually handling that tax return. The computers are, the system is, it's going through their process. But on an amended term, someone is physically looking at that tax return. So if we can avoid that, that's a good thing. Because number one, then 
you aren't at any kind of a risk for an audit. And that's not to say that just because you amend, you're at a risk for an audit because you're not. Um, and if you're amending for a very valid reason, then you should amend your tax return. I'm just saying tread lightly when it's just not necessary. If every year all of a sudden you start amending your tax return because you don't get your K-1 until September, but you really want to go ahead and file the rest of your return by April 15th, then that's likely going to throw up a red flag at the IRS. Not good. Definitely not what you want to do. So you want to make sure that you have everything, including the K-1 from your business to prepare your 1040. So back to Vivian's question. So how does this information come in and who actually prepares the K-1? So when a business tax return, an 1120S or a 1065 is being prepared, part of that package, the tax return package will include a K-1. So it actually comes from that tax return. It should be part of what your CPA gives you. And because it's, like I said, essentially a summary of what the rest of the tax return shows. It's just your part of the business income or loss that is coming through that needs to be reflected on your 1040. So let's go on to sec uh, the second question here. Uh, she says that her husband has is her partner. And so they're in a partnership together and um, they have their health benefits set up through the company as well as that of our employees. How can we best reflect our health benefits on our W-2 for tax purposes? This is actually a fairly straightforward question, pretty simple to, to answer. So my guess is you are likely using a payroll company to handle your payroll. And if you're not, I highly recommend that you do. The only time that I think it makes sense to handle your payroll in-house is if you basically have employees that are just on salary and there isn't a lot when it comes to reimbursements or any kind of fringe benefits. Like if it's pretty straightforward, then sure, run that internally. If it's anything more than a really straightforward payroll with salary that never changes, which is doesn't happen very often, have a payroll company do it. And there's plenty of them out there that will help you with this. And it basically takes it off of your plate. You don't have to worry about all these rules and laws and things like this. So the payroll company will know how to handle your health insurance as a business owner. There is a specific box on the 1040, excuse me, on the W-2 that is going to show how much was paid to health insurance, self-employed health insurance. That will reduce your taxable wages and will essentially reduce your taxes um, on the W-2. They're actually being collected. Conversely, what happens is that there also is a part on your 1040 that the self-employed health insurance needs to be reflected. So on Schedule 1 of your 1040, you need to then translate the self-employed health insurance that has been paid for the year. It needs to be put on Schedule 1 of your 1040 to reduce your overall taxable income for your 1040. So the payroll company should be able to help you with this. Should not be a difficult thing for them to do at all. They may need a special form to um, set it up that way, but they should absolutely be able to handle that for you. Okay, question three. This is our final question here. Do you think you could better explain what capital gains tax is? Um, maybe a general blurb about depreciation and appreciation. Well, first of all, depreciation, and um, we'll just get into this really quick. Depreciation is when you have an asset that you can actually take a deduction every year in its value because the value is basically reducing every year from a tax perspective. And so the IRS gives you a deduction for that. That is depreciation. Appreciation is when an asset, the value of it increases over time. For instance, a house, let's say you have a rental house and that rental house was purchased in 2000 for 200 grand. And because of the way their real estate prices have gone up so much in the last couple of years, now that house is worth 
$400,000. That is appreciation. That value has increased over time. And especially in real estate, that's kind of the game, right? It's more of a, um, in, in a lot of sections of real estate, I guess I should say, it is more of a hold and play where you're really in there for the long haul to get that appreciation over time. Now, what ends up happening is, is continuing on with this real estate example, you sell that house. Now you have $200,000 of a gain that you have to pay taxes on. So when it comes to capital gains, there's three different tax brackets. You can pay no tax on that if your income is low enough. And that rarely happens. It doesn't happen very often. Typically, it would be someone who is in retirement that has very little income coming in, very few income streams. The second bracket is 15% and the highest bracket is 20% for capital gains rate. So it is lower, generally speaking, than your individual income tax rate, but it still can be pretty hefty on that $200,000 gain. That's, you know, quite a bit of money, right? Now, the other thing that you have to take into account when it comes to figuring out capital gains is there's something in this particular instance called depreciation recapture, where if you've depreciated that asset that is now sold, you actually have to add that back in. So a little tiny blurb there. Not to get too far into the weeds, but it does complicate things when it comes to calculating what is owed on the transaction. But you can then add back in your cost. So let's just say you paid a broker to sell it. Um, maybe you had some titling costs, something like that, you would actually be able to add those back in to reduce your overall taxable event. So that's a bonus. Now let's get back to the heart of the question. What is capital gains? Capital gains is just a different category of being taxed. Again, it's just a different tax bracket. So generally speaking, a lower tax bracket than what your individual income tax rate is. And it is on assets that you sell, typically real estate, where they're going to appreciate over time and you're going to make um, significant income as a result. So I hope that helps and that I have given you some clarity um, on some questions that you've had regarding your business finances and various questions um, as it pertains to just running your business and how do these things all come together? I know it is very confusing and can be quite overwhelming. Again, this is why I love doing this podcast because I really enjoy being able to shed the light and bring clarity to your questions and um, things that are frankly just confusing. And the IRS doesn't do us any favors when it comes to um, making this easy, right? So I'm here to bring clarity to the questions that you have. So if you have questions that you would like for me to focus on and highlight on an, a future episode, I would absolutely love to do that. Again, my email address is in the show notes. So be sure to send me an, an email with your questions so that I can feature them soon. And if you have enjoyed this episode, absolutely share it with your friends. I would love nothing more for uh, other people to be able to understand more about small business finance and get the clarity that they need to better run their businesses as well. And if you ever want to have a call with me so that I can look at your specific tax situation and see if I can do anything to help, whether that's reduce your overall taxes, your tax burden, if you need help with your accounting or really anything in between. And um, there is a, also a link in the show notes that you can get a free discovery call with me and we can go through your specific tax situations and see if we can help. So with that said, I have very much enjoyed this episode and I cannot wait until next time. See you then.